Computer, initialize Holosuite. Shuttle with the blast shield. Yes. The blast Stop shield is no, the blast shield. It comes down and it goes up. Blast shield. Hey fam, welcome to Blast Shield. Nice to see you again. Or nice to be listened by you again. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like we can see everyone. I see all of you. You see all. You see the koala that is watching <laughs> yeah. us. Season one reference, Lower Decks. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Flash Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. My name is Kyle. I'm joined by... Katie. Katie. Well done. Got your name right. I can talk. And I am struggling to talk. I'm unwell right now, Katie. Mm. I really could just do the hypospray. A little shot in the neck from a hypospray and Bob's your uncle. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? What, to put me to sleep or just to make you better? No, I just mean like I would keep one on hand and be like, sorry everyone, I'm ill. And then go for a good sleep. Now I'm fine again. No, I would just Oh, you would want the sleep one? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, we are here to discuss the second episode of season two of Star Trek Lower Decks. Kayshawn, his eyes open. And Still don't understand that headline. It's just the way he talks, isn't it? Oh. That's how they speak. Is it? Yeah. We'll get on to that very shortly anyway. Okay. Uh, so yes, this is the second of our weekly episodes uh, whilst season two is airing. Uh, hopefully, uh, if you are new to the show, then welcome. Uh, we had big, big figures for our first episode of season two. Cheers, Long, everyone. Yeah, cheers. Long may it continue. But thank you very much. So whatever app you listen to, uh, to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Addict, Amazon have a podcast app now. Amazon? Amazon, yeah. I realised as I said that that <laughs> I added a H It's in like there. Amazon, but just meat. If you are listening to us for the first time now, get ready for a few minutes of stuff that really will have nothing to do with anything we're going to discuss on the rest of the show, but we like to just chat some random stuff. And notice then that I was going to drop I know. a swear word, but it is a pain in the was rear end to, me? to edit the swearing out on this show. So I chose not to. So Katie, we actually dropped a podcast, well, as we record this, it actually came out today, a few hours ago, but for you listening to this, even on release day, it came out yesterday, her first track, episode 18, Odo the 3D printer. <laughs> on that episode, we did uh, already kind of discuss what's been going on that week and chat about kids playing I know, sports. so now we've got nothing else to say we to each nothing, other. Yeah, we've got nothing to say to each other, so I feel like I don't have much fun to offer. But that said, you've got a, like children's party you go into i am yeah yeah this is the today. highlight of my social life now. yeah yeah a kids party we've all got our outfits ready got the present wrapped we're gonna play some a pasta puzzle oh really and we're gonna be you know eating some party food but not me because i'm on a diet i'll be eating all the fruit and like you know how like at kids parties parents put out like veg sticks because they want to look like they're those kind of parents but, but actually not. we all know that no kid is going to touch the cucumber sticks i'm going to be eating those well, there'll be a lot there to have in yeah. that case anyway so you'll be fine Yay. <laughs> how do you feel about lodex being back weekly oh super exciting how do you feel in the build-up to a new episode coming out do you feel any joy or any excitement I do feel excited. I don't think I get the same thing as you because I, I kind of live from minute to minute and I have to just survive the minute that I'm in. So I can never look forward to it and be like, I'm watching Lower Decks later because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it to later. Oh, see, I literally live my life from TV episode show. to I episode, know you do. film to film. I know. 
really. So like, ooh, you know, I've got a few days till the next low decks. I'm counting down, counting down. And I really hate Wednesday. Wednesday's in the way. Hump day. Yeah, Monday and Tuesday, I'm excited for it. I get to Wednesday, I'm like, why the hell is it not Thursday yet? So Wednesday's really It's like in Friends, isn't it? Monday, one day. Tuesday, two day. Wednesday, who? Where? What day? Thursday, the third day. Is that from Friends? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So yes, if you, you listen to our other show, her first trek, wonderful. We do have a new episode out. Uh, please check it out. If you don't listen to all of our shows, on that episode, we were talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine's The Forsaken and Star Trek The Next Generation's Home Soil, both from season one as Katie continues her trip through the legacy shows from Star Trek, and it is quite a journey. Let's get into it then. So warning, there will be spoilers ahead. We will be uh, not holding back on anything to do this episode, but don't worry about stuff down the line in the show. We will not be talking about anything that is happening after this because, you know, you haven't seen any trailers no. for anything beyond this. I've not watched the new trailer that came out last week, so we're just winging it. Now, the second episode, Keishon, His Eyes Open, was the introduction episode for Keishon, the tactical slash security officer who is going to replace Shax. May he rest with the prophets. Oh, Old Shax went out a hero in the end of season one in the season finale. No small parts saved the day, though. Keishon has joined the crew, and uh, he is of a familiar race to most Trek fans. Not to you, though, Katie. You haven't no, got there no yet. idea. From TNG episode. One of TNG's most celebrated episodes. But more on that once you get to that on her first Trek. So uh, Keishon, obviously, the way he speaks is hilarious because he doesn't speak in uh, speech patterns that are entirely understandable. But he does... As we meet him, he does know some English, or at least the translator's picking it up. Yeah, I took it as that his English was so weird. No, his speech was so weird that the translator couldn't translate everything and could only translate a couple of words. Yeah, and it was just like nuts. But before we get to Keishon's introduction, let's talk about the teaser of the episode, where, i got to be honest, this is one of the most titillating scenes in... Pun intended. Yeah, in Star Trek we've ever seen. Did not know they did that all together. Didn't know it was communal. Communal showers, no, neither did I. But I think this is like the lower decks thing. Like, they have to share their beds, you know, they don't have like... Um, they have like barracks, don't they, kind of thing. I have a suggestion. Starfleet, don't be so stingy. I know, I know, right? But they Given have to put this somewhere. We see our main people, Mariner, with Tandy and Rutherford, all clad in towels, ready to go have a sonic shower, which uh, last time we saw the sonic shower, I think, was in Star Trek Voyager. In my mind, it was when we saw Balana Taurus using it, but I don't know if we've seen it since. Uh, we have seen a proper shower since then, though, on Enterprise with Hoshi and Archer as well, having a shower. Uh, see, uh, this is just stuff I remember. You remember shower scenes. That's your thing. No, no, that, no. You're making <laughs> you're me... You're such a weirdo. No, that's not my kink. It's your thing. It's not, no. Shower scenes. Especially cartoon shower scenes, apparently. <laughs> shower scenes are my kink. There we go. We've learned something new. I like something normal, like a montage. You, you like a shower scene. I remember films for their montage. You remember them for their, for their shower, shower scene. scene. Right, now that you've made me sound like a right pervert. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm leaving that sound in because that is Katie <laughs> dying on a drink. You okay there? We've lost you. We've lost you now as the giggles. <laughs> but this lower decks shower scene was there to set up the fact that Jet has been moved on to Beta Shift. Or are, they, are they Beta Shift? I think that's what you said. Yeah, yeah. the Beta. And they're not dealt. Beta, yeah. So he's going to be part with the team with Mariner. Mariner gives him a little tap on the shoulder saying, no, I'm the unofficial boss of the team, so just let me know if you need any help with anything. They go into the shower. And it turns out Jet is kind of... I wouldn't say Jet is alpha male, but... Yeah, no, I think he is. Do you think? He? he is like the jock, I guess, the sports jock at school. He's like Boimler, like with his by-the-bookness, but he's... Effective at it? 
Yes, and beefed up Boimler. Beefed up Boimler. <laughs> <laughs> so we then see them in the sonic showers. Now, they are communal. Everything is blurred out. So where we would see, for example, Mariner. I mean, Mariner would have been fully naked on shot if it wasn't blurred out. We would have seen everything of Mariner. Tandy a little bit more. A little less, sorry. It doesn't feel as dirty, though, because she's green. And then Jet comes in. And he's got it all out as well. It's all blurred out, though. Yes, I mean, this would have been very graphic had it been in a live-action show. Uh, but I thought it was hilarious because it, it's just taken advantage of the animated setting and being able to show these things. I find the idea of communal sonic showers quite... makes sense to me, actually, that they have them. Well, we were talking about that, like, with the bunk beds, weren't we, in the first couple of episodes, maybe? Yeah, yeah. And you said you did wonder where everyone sort of slept. Yeah, they couldn't all um, have their own quarters. it makes sense for not everyone to have their own quarters. So I guess uh, this makes sense too. I thought I liked about this scene though. It wasn't played for any sexual laughs. Like there was the joke there that everything was covered by the sort of blurring. But there was no like, I joked about it being titillating. There was nothing titillating about this scene. There was no one making eyes down at anything or stuff like that. It was just very maturely done, I thought. You agree with me? Mm. And obviously this all leads to a, basically they're trying to call each other's bluff, I guess between Mariner and Jet when they're trying to show that they can take the sonic shower like at a stronger sonic level. I don't know. They turn it up and up to the point where everyone has to run out. So we would have seen penises waving everywhere if they weren't blurred out as they were going. And they run away and Mariner and Jet just keep staring each other out through it whilst getting nosebleeds from the sheer force. And that's how we finish the teaser on the episode. a lot of pixelated penis. Open credits and then we're through into the episode now. We'll obviously do what we always do, which is we'll tackle it plot by plot, I guess. So which plot line would you like to run with first? We should probably go with the Mariner one first. Okay. So the Mariner storyline, which was with Tendi and Rutherford as well and Jet, obviously... They went on to a collector's guild, I think is what they were called. I haven't written it down. I've made no notes, guys. We're not one of those prepared podcasts. Can you tell? Yeah, but yeah, they probably can at this point. <laughs> Ten minutes in. Uh, yes, there's a collector's guild, which um, we've kind of seen collectors in track before. I mean, you haven't yet, Kate, but us track fans have. But I don't think we ever knew about a guild or anything. So that was quite fun for like universe building. And it turns out someone has died. And basically his ship thing is just, or base is just full of collectible items. And they need to... Take away anything that may be dangerous or unnecessary, but then they leave the stuff for this other collector who's there, sort of trying to take things from it. This leads to loads and loads of Easter eggs. I mean, I've tried reading through a lot of them online as well. Like if you go to trekcore.com or trekmovie.com, those kind of websites are all talking about it. There are more than you can even guess in this. I had no idea there were so many like Easter eggs hidden in the background and things like this. But when I knew we were going onto a collector's ship, I knew we were going to get just random Easter eggs. Did you think the same? I imagined there probably was, but I didn't think I'd understand any of them. I kind of only half get the ones that I did see, and you pointed one out to me. What ones did you see then? No, I just meant like the Kalesh's fornication helmet. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I was like, I know who that is kind of thing. So I know that it's a Klingon thing. Yeah, you know? the Mirror Universe flag. Yeah, that's what you pointed out to me. Yeah. Is the puppet thing like a play on anything or is it just a puppet? To my knowledge, no, I don't think it is. I think they just changed him into a puppet. I could be wrong on that. Please correct me, guys. You always do on Twitter if I'm <laughs> wrong. So please correct me. Also, we saw the skeletons of the giant Spock from the animated series. So now we know what happened there. I haven't seen that episode in, gosh, we're talking a couple of decades now. You've yet to see it at all. But every time people talk about New Trek being ridiculous or something, people like pull out the whole thing of there being a giant Spock. 
But whenever they say like animated shows aren't canon, then when when the animated show did become canon again, everyone's like, oh my god, Giant Spock is now canon, yay! Well, it's now canon where Giant Spock's bones ended up mm. on that station with Mariner climbing on them. Why was there a Giant Spock? Uh, I I can't even remember. Was there also it also a regular sized Spock. Spock? Yeah, yeah, it's not like Spock. It's another Spock. Oh, okay. That's giant. It's on the animated show though, so they couldn't have done that. Well, they could have done it on. TOS, but they would have had to use those like little plastic army people, yeah, and had like a hand wiggling them. But you would have seen the hand, probably, yeah, oh, no, or strings. You would have seen the strings Spock. doing it. <laughs> yeah, so on the station, obviously, as they're going through all these bits, it kind of goes a bit wrong. They set off some kind of warning system thing, security system, and then they come under attack. Jet and Mariner continue to argue through this whole thing. Different plans. Mariner's got the idea that they need to. To get off the base, they're going to have to go into the belly of the beast, as she's trying to say. She like, wants a badass plan. Yeah. Whereas Jet cuts off that badass plan and is like, I've got a better idea. Let's just go this way, this way, and we can we can get off this station quite safely. Marin's a bit pissed off with that, particularly because Tendi and Rutherford back. It's like when plan. your kids side with one parent yeah. and the other parent's like, what the hell, dude? Also, it's just funnier as well because Rutherford's like, I also support Jet's plan because it's kind of... What like, our training would yeah, say Yeah, what our do. training would make us do. <laughs> like, I just casually... I love this whole thing. It was like Starfleet... Like, Jet is Starfleet through and through. Whereas Mariner, obviously, is a really good Starfleet officer. But as she says, likes to do things her own way. And she kind of doesn't think first. She's more of a... Act first, think later. Which I'm not sure that's true, though. Do you think that's true? Kind of half, because her instincts are so Starfleet anyway, or even more Starfleet than Starfleet are. She does the right thing, even though it goes the wrong way about it. But sometimes, like, when they think she's doing something wrong, it turns out she's thought through every angle and is doing the right mm. course of action. Not so... last week when she told the captain to... Oh, she was wrong about firing on yeah. Ransom's head. Eventually, uh, they are still battling each other. Because everyone's probably going to die. They can't get off the little station thing because the security system's... But then it turns out that Rutherford and Tendi actually have a good plan. Mm. They just didn't want to say because they weren't in charge. Rutherford and Tendi save the day for them, mm-hmm. eventually, and Mariner and Jet make up, and they get off the station. Obviously, what I didn't mention actually doing all this was Keishon being a, had got turned into a puppet. So mm. how did I miss the main thing? Yeah, Keishon was turned into a puppet. And... I thought that was it for him. Like... Uh, yeah, I mean, that would have been hilarious, wouldn't it? <laughs> One measly third of an episode. And I would love to have seen him carry on in the show, like they have the puppet there on. You know, like Captain Freeman's ornament she has behind her? Oh, yeah, oh my god. But have like Keish on there in a, I don't know, in a glass container or something. When he got turned into a puppet, I thought that was it for him at that moment. So when they were so worried about getting him when that glass case was going to fall on him, I was like, why? He's a puppet now. So I didn't think they were going to. I thought he was going to get torn in half when Mm. Mariner and Jet were sort of. I love how cool Tana about it was at the end, though. She was just like, yeah, yeah, I've seen this before. Um, he'll be back to normal in an hour or so. <laughs> yeah, what she says, like, it's not the first, like, <laughs> yeah, what the hell? it's not the first time I've had to turn someone from a puppet back into a man. Like, or I appreciate <laughs> your level of experience, Dr. Tana, but seriously, how? <laughs> She's a very, very qualified and experienced. Mm. Uh, I love how she put a little sign as well. Do yeah. not play with me. I'm, I'm not, not a doll. <laughs> I'm not a doll, that's it, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many people had to have played with him. Before that sign got put there, though. Also, is he going to turn back to normal really, really quickly? Because what if you'd taken him for, like, a Dolly's tea party and then you were just like... And then then he just went... And then just, (laughs) like... popped back. Yeah, and then turned back into him. I'd love to have seen that process. Like, what did she possibly do to turn him back? I don't know, but it sounds painful. Yeah, we don't... It was painful turning into the puppet. It looked really... Well, yeah, all his bones were, like... His whole body was, yeah, twisted and... It reminded me of in Discovery episode three of season one when they're on the ship the other discovery class and uh, no, it's not they're not discovery class but the um, sister ship 
mm. of discovery and then they see all the contorted bodies remember? oh yeah kind of like that yeah. scene i think it was episode three which is context is for kings it's quite the memory basically they do get keishon back jet and marin make up it looks like jet's joined the group right at the end mm. and he's been finally accepted into the team marin is saying like you're not too bad we're gonna be a kick-ass team keishon's back as well trying to chat up someone at the bar Jet's tenure as part of our Lower Decks team does not last long, which will bring us into our next plotline. But before that, what did you think of this whole story? And actually having our main Lower Decks people, besides Boimler, all in one storyline. Yeah, it was really good, actually. I like to have them all together. And I did wonder, as they said, oh, I can't believe we're going on a mission with Keishon, blah, blah, blah. I was like... How many hundreds of people must have they had to choose from for you before they got for to them to be randomly selected for this? Because yeah. it's not even like they all wear the same uniform or anything, is it? It's just like different departments, you, everything. You, you and you. Yeah, in truth, there was no logical reason for it. No, but we never ask questions for that. No. So you enjoyed? Yeah, it was good. What did you think? I really liked it. This was one of those episodes where Mariner was being a dick sometimes. Mm-hmm. I know through season one as well. I defended Mariner's attitude towards things and want to be the center of attention. It was a little bit harder to defend them here because she was being dickish. And I think it's because her status was under threat Mm -hmm. of being the leader of the little group. She didn't like that Jet was kind of, you know, getting Tendi and Rutherford, her people, to go along with his plans. I think she felt threatened and as such she was more of a dick because she was fine with Jet until Mm. he started to compete with her. And I think that's why she's so quick to try and, like, emasculate Boimler quite a lot, you know, because keeping him in place. I think as well, like, after Boimler's buggered off, she's worried about losing Tendi and Rutherford now, probably. Ooh, deep. I know. That is deep. But I think, I was going to say, though, I think it even starts with her, because when Jet comes along, he's like, oh, hey, and she's like, yeah, I'm kind of like the leader here. Who does that? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like she's already waving her bollocks, you know. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm the I'm the boss yeah. man here. If she was um, a baboon, yeah. she'd be like rubbing her oh, definitely. big pink ass all over yeah. the place. Yeah, or like if she's a dog pissing on her. Yeah. She'd probably be peeing on Rutherford and Tendy saying, yeah. they mind. And then him as well. You're my bitch. <laughs> you are also mine now, yeah. I thought the action scenes were great. It's a great sequence. The artwork's been great on this season as well. Really enjoying it. Mm. That jump through the doors that were closing... That was so cool. And the cool hero pose when she did the yeah, land that, on the side. Yeah, that, yeah. Remind me of in Black Widow, you know, when um, yeah, Elena's yeah. taken the mick out of Natasha for the fact that she keeps doing a land that mm. is un- completely unnecessary and probably unnatural. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Not good for your back. Yeah, and, and Mariner did the same thing. Yeah. But yeah, Mariner is the true hero of the show. So, so cool. Let's talk then about the B-plot that has some very significant ramifications. And that is Boimler. So we, we spend some actual time on the Titan in this episode. We get to see some of Riker's crew. I didn't catch any of their names at this point. No, I'm going to, for the purposes of this, call them Colourful Face Girl, Danny Dyer, and Nothing Guy. Because what did he really do? Well, see, you wouldn't get this. At first, I thought that guy, talking about the blonde guy with the beard, I thought that he was the same guy from Star Trek First Contact. And I have watched this film with me, but you won't remember this guy. There's this really cool tactical guy in in that episode. I don't think we see him in the other films. I can't remember... But he kind of looked like him. So I was thinking, oh, well, that makes sense if Riker's taken a character that he knew from the Enterprise. But I don't think that was the case because when they were in the shuttle later on talking about Riker's yeah. previous time on the D and they were like shitting all over it, which I bet you weren't happy with as a oh, big TNG God, fan. fuming. Oh, I love that in their mind, all they thought, we'll give some context to this now, I guess. Boimler ends up on a, helping on an undercover operation to a mining colony where they think the Packlids are mining for something, and it's given them reason to think that someone else is pulling the strings of the Packlids. So a little bit of a hint that there might be a bigger storyline 
going on this season. But whilst they're going there to go and to cover the U18, in front of Boimler are basically having a laugh at how they know Riker must hate having to stay on the ship now he's captain because he would love to be like, you know, boots on the ground. And they talk about how boring his time must be in Enterprise D because all they did there was, what was it? It was like... Um, Two string quartets. Yeah, string quartets. And uh, play his trombone and have yeah. a love spell put on him. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of stuff that Boimler mentions later on as well. When Boimler realises that they're talking about the D, I love that he calls it like the D as well, because like, that's just how his fans refer to it. For Boimler, he's like, what are you on about? They were going through like all these temporal things. There was another one, which I can't remember, and then he's like, they didn't interact or whatever he called it, which is obviously a hint to the interaction film. I just found it hilarious, and you could just see like Boimler's like a fanboy of them, and these other guys weren't. But I didn't see this as being Riker's crew. Didn't feel like they would be no, they were his dicks. crew. They were Danny Dyer guy was like, while Boiler was feeling all sad about it, he was like, play me a concerto. Get out. Yeah, I feel like Captain Riker's crew would be a bit more like... Riker. He would die for Riker kind of thing. Mm. But these guys are kind of like... Well, I guess maybe now Riker's the boss. He's there to be taking the piss out of a bit more. But uh, yeah, on the colony, hilarious bit when Boimler's trying to cheer up on the miners, just been verbally abused. And the dude was like, you know, shut up. He's quite clearly a Starfleet <laughs> officer. <laughs> Your hands are clean and, and soft, whatever it was. And they thought that was funny. They eventually find themselves under fire because they get made. Boimler reminds them before they died, about why they were in Starfleet. And then it makes them realise that for the girl, whatever her name was, she came to Starfleet because she wanted to study Moss. And uh, the one guy, uh, the dude who I thought was from First Contact, blonde guy, he joined because he likes beaming, which I thought was hilarious. He just gets like a rush out of beaming, so he's just going to just join Starfleet. I wonder what Danny Starfleet. Dyer joined for. Yeah. I, I reckon he just joined for the bloodshed. There must have been a line that they cut out. It's weird that he didn't say anything. Mm. I would love to know what it was. It would be something probably really sort of the opposite of what you'd expect for him for how gruff and tough he acts. Yeah. So it'd be something like the exact opposite. Regular access to the holodeck so that he can continue his ballerina training. Could be. Boimler saves them after remembering something about how Riker had a transporter clone, an evil transporter clone, and then saves them. They get back to the ship. Boimler doesn't get beamed out yet. So Boimler's been a hero as the pack lets break into the room they're in. And then the Titan try beaming Boimler up. And a hilarious moment where Boimler is screaming as they're coming for him and he's so and he gets funny. beamed onto the ship and he's still sort of materialising. He's still screaming and then they lose ah. a signal and he's gone. Ah. <laughs> ah. That's hilarious. I felt so sad for him as well because I was like, he was so brave. He was, yeah. But he just looks so feeble. <laughs> yeah, and then they finally, when they do get him, they save the day and they go clean him up. But wait, a shuttle a is making its way from the surface. They beam the person across from the shuttle. It's also Bradwood Boimler. So we ended with two Boimlers. So Boimler, having been inspired for the rescue plan by what happened to Riker and what created his own transporter clone, unintentionally created his own transporter clone as well. Mm. So we have two Boimlers. I love how completely normal he found that when he realised. He was like, oh man. Yeah, but I love that. Like, this is just the Star Trek universe. This stuff happens. It just happens. You think to yourself, well, how many clones do you think you're going to get in your life, mate? You know, like that could happen at any time you use the transport. Yeah. And also, do you trust that guy to not do the same thing and then have another one? Yeah, exactly. You could just keep going. You could create a Boimler army. So this then ultimately leads to Boimler's return to the Cerritos. I love that Starfleet said there's, there's already too much importance and things going on on the Titan that they cannot be having to deal with, with having two identical crew members on the ship. I thought they were going to say that Starfleet said they just they, they can't be doing with having two identical Boimlers on the ship. That would have been like funny that Starfleet perceived Boimler as such a... We can put up with one a, of you. Yeah, but two is like... This, 
too big a thing for us to deal with. So one of them is not only going to get sent back to the Cerritos, but he's going to be demoted as well. I know, right? Our Boimler steps forward, thinking they were both going to step forward, and it turns out he then basically offers himself up for demotion and a transfer back to the Cerritos. Our double becomes William Boimler, and he's a bit more smooth. Yeah, yeah, he's got some real, like, sass to him. And Boimler has to leave and go back to Cerritos, and then hilarious bit where he basically tries to force Jet out and successfully forces Jet out of the team. Oh, there's nowhere for me to sit. And then he just, like, looks Jet straight in the eye. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is, yeah, this is awkward. Um, Yeah, there's nowhere for me to go. And then Jet's up and gone. And Mariner was delighted to see Boimler back, and now they're just a... A team again, a family. Yeah, but this time it's it's nicer because Mariner is more open about how much she loves Boimler. But do you think she'll be holding it against him for quite a while? Oh, yeah. So I like, kind of hope so, so that the dynamic remains the same. Yeah, because that, that will help keep the dynamic that way now because mm. she is going to make him earn his... She's like, you place. left in the middle of my shift. Didn't even say bye. If we look at Boimler's behaviour when he got the promotion, it was really dickish that... He literally did just leave in the middle of her shift and was ignoring her messages as well. I mean, I think that was the same episode where he was talking about how much Mariner actually meant to him and was a really important friend. And then he just palmed her off the moment. I actually think, maybe I'm wrong here, that Mariner likes Boimler more than Boimler likes Mariner. I I think she places her friends at really high importance, but he is more self-interested. Absolutely. That's a really good character study there. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think Boimler is more invested in his own success. and It's kind of sad, really, because like Tendy and Rutherford like each other. We don't know really in what way yet, I guess, but keep teasing that. Not they, happy with it. They do keep teasing Tell me. That. Tell me what's going on. I want to know. But even they, I don't think, feel the same way about Mariner. So poor Mariner is just like giving out all this love. Well, I'm going to put out there now that Mariner would die for any of the other three. Yeah. I don't think the other three would do that for her. No. Not in a way that they dislike her. I just don't think it's in their nature to self-sacrifice. Because I think in Mariner's case, it is in their nature. And part of that is, as you said, she puts friendship very highly. And also, I just think she's clearly a more experienced Starfleet officer. So maybe Mm. she has got the Starfleet values. Well, look at the last two episodes. Every time there's been a bit of danger, Ransom threw himself in front of that bottle of lightning, which gave him Mm. the strange energies in season uh, season two's premiere. And then Kayshawn did the same thing in this episode, which led to his problems. So what do you think of the Boimler story? Seen a bit of the Titan, a bit of Riker. You love Riker. I do love Riker. And I just think it's it's hilarious because Boimler does not fit in there at all. There is nothing about him that looks comfortable or happy. He hates it. I think, in truth, he'll be relieved being back on the Cerritos. Well, he was really happy when uh, when Mariner like sort of welcomed him back. Yeah, and he did seem kind of happy to be there. And when she's like, what was it like there? And he was like, oh, it's just uh, basically taking the mick out of the format of this yeah. hour-long <laughs> serialized <laughs> trek we have now. So I think he's going to prefer being on the Cerritos. But I like that before him having to leave the ship, Boimler did save the day. Yeah, he did. Very rarely does Boimler save the day. Maybe Mariner's influence mm. actually did come into play. But I love as well that they didn't go the obvious route of Boimler horribly failing, then just getting shipped back. Yeah, it's like he actually went out in a blaze of glory in a sense. Yeah, so I feel like they didn't do Boimler dirty. Yeah. They'd done him good. And now we've got two Boimlers. We're going to see him again. He wasn't evil, from what you could understand. I've said to you that I think our Boimler, or what we're going to think is our Boimler, is going to die at some point on the show, but it will be William Boimler that died. 
Or William Boimler becomes evil and oh. infiltrates Cerritos on behalf of whatever organization is pulling uh, the strings of the pamphlets. Oh no. Because he, he does seem evil? a little bit too... Too good to be true? Yeah, and also full of himself. I've only known him for five minutes, but that's one, that's my assumption and I'm sticking to it. Well, we never like the, the, like the twin, do we, on anything? There's always one evil twin. Think of friends. Always. Phoebe's sister. What's she called? Ursula. Ursula. We didn't like Ursula. No. I'm trying to think think of, of any camera. set of twins you know. Do you know any? Well, not in real life. No, in real life, one twin is always evil. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, it is. One is definitely always cooler than the other. I found. Yeah. From my own experience. Usually, the cool one is mean. I guess maybe you kind of are right then. There's always an evil twin. So, what was your favorite part of the Boimler? storyline then i liked that he stood up for his values that he didn't weedily sort of put his hand into that thing at the end and was like yeah let's go boldly he was like no my version of going boldly is doing this this and this and he went for it and he defended the d and he he stood up for what he believed in ultimately it ended him a demotion to the ship that he came from originally but you know he's gonna be happy yeah but you know also what's really curious is how did he get out from the base and back to his shuttle something epic took place yeah because it happened quickly as well yeah and we didn't see any of that we didn't see it boyman must have done something incredible and now it just occurred to me as we were talking then that not only has the Riker we've seen in Picard, Star Trek Picard, had dealings with Boimler and Mar- yeah. Mariner, oh but God, he's yeah. actually going to have served with Boimler's clone mm. as a regular member of his crew for the mm. longest time. So it's possible that William Boimler was like sitting down having dinner with Jean Luc Picard at some point. Maybe he's going to turn up in Picard. Yeah, I'd love to see him in real life. Oh yeah, I'd love and to find see... out what actual color his hair is. I'd love to see Jack Quaid do like one of the live action tracks. That'd be great. Mm. He could so easily be Boimler straight I've up. I just realised something that the Boimler who must have had the epic escape is our Boimler. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's our and, Boimler. And the transporter clone is the one who was stuck under the thing, who needed to be beamed out and yeah. who was screaming. I'm guessing when it went back, our Boimler must have got away, but there was another version of Boimler in the transporter buffer still. I wonder if it's like a transporter ghost though and that eventually he'll just like just in a big cloud spontaneously of... combust. Oh why, oh, why would he combust though? Oh, into like smoke. I'm not saying oh, like okay. into like flashy pieces everywhere. Okay. And then you turn around and you're like, huh? This is Star Trek universe, so you would just move on with life, I guess. And, yeah. And, and that was on. the last time I saw William Boimler. <laughs> yeah. So we've ended the episode with the uh, the status quo back together. And we have a new security officer and chief tactical officer in Keishon, who I think is going to be fun for laughs. But yeah, we have our merry gang back together. Are you happy? Or, I mean, did you think we were going to get Boimler back so quickly? I didn't think he'd be back so quickly. I thought he was going to come maybe mid-season, something like that. But I'm really pleased with how they did it. Yeah, me too. I'm glad they avoided bringing him back in the first episode of the season. Mm. So, don't know. Did it in a good story. Like I said, they kept Boimler the hero of the episode, I guess. And now back to normal. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to behave, having been a senior crew member for a while. I also think there's something going on with Captain Freeman. Last episode, her husband, the Admiral Freeman, was talking about how her dealings with the Packlist could mean a promotion in a way or a new ship. And then in this episode, she's having a command review mm-hmm. thing and wondering, is something going on there? Is Captain Freeman going to leave us? Mariner would hit the roof. She would not get away with all the stuff that she gets away with. Or right another now. captain on the ship. Mm. But if they did do that, Freeman would have to stay gone because you can't have her also come back no. in the same season after Boimler's done it. So, yeah, interesting one. Don't go, Freeman. Don't go. So, favourite moment of the whole episode, then, Kate? Um... Wow. No, there's a lot of things I liked, but I'm trying to think about, like, what was the best bit. Okay, favourite moments. Moments. I liked the bit where those sucky things were following them. You know, when she's like, 
what are you going to do? Suck us to death? And yeah. then it gives her like a face hickey and then she's like, it's going to suck us to death. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Doctor Who where I think it might be the first time that the Daleks showed up in the sort of revival show of Doctor Who and they've obviously got the plunger on them. Yeah. The person's like, well, what are you going to do with the, just the plunger? And then it literally just sticks up into the person's face and crushes their, <laughs> crushes their head. Oh my God. He's just going <laughs> to use the plunger to suck him to death. There's also the bit with the other collector stealing Kalish's fornication helmet and Tendi's like, you stole the sex helmet, pervert. <laughs> But she's like, not judging. (laughs) I think this episode presented a lot of merchandising opportunities. Mm. First off, get some Kayshawn hand puppets out. Yeah. But we haven't even seen the Geordie LaForge teddies thing that we had in season Mm. one. We haven't seen those on sale. Also, start selling Klingon fornication helmets. I would wear one. Oh, you were going to wear it, were you? Safety first. Oh. oh, well, I thought I was going to wear it, but I mean, I guess that says something about our dynamic, that you'd be the one wearing... Oh, no, you wear it and I'll uh... have the battleth. Wow. God almighty. <laughs> I'm a bit I'm a bit afraid now. You're going to order one, aren't you? I am definitely going to try and get one, yeah. <laughs> Whoever's doing the merchandise for Star Trek needs to get on this stuff. Final thoughts on this episode, then, Katie. Was it a big thumbs up from you? It was banging. And how is season two doing for you now as we... Oh, super cool. I, I was really worried... That Why? it would be like nosedive, but it's Why? I, well, no, not because it's lower decks. Just you worry, don't you, when you've enjoyed something so much the first time. Well, you hide whether it's, too much. Yeah, it's whether it's good. gonna fit the you know thing, mm. but it it has. It's fitted. It's, yeah. If anything, it's too big for the shoe. Yeah, it, it's doing great this season. It's just no no shits given now. Yeah. About like trying to explain things, they're just like we're just gonna go straight into this. Within two episodes, we've had Ransom's head trying mm-hmm. to eat the Cerritos and vomiting up rainbow vomit. We've had the Klingon fornication helmet. We've had transporter clones. and we've... The security officer being turned into a puppet. And we're two episodes in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what happens in the next date. I'm game for more. Also, for anyone not sure about when Lower Decks was coming out on DVD and Blu-ray outside of the US, dates have been confirmed. Most of them are through November. But I recently did have it confirmed for me that the existing Blu-rays and DVDs are multi-region anyway. So we've got a copy coming in the next week or so. Okay. Surprise! Yeah, a little surprise to you there. You're hearing it for the first time. So we'll have a little steel book of the uh, first season of Lower Decks. So I'm really happy about that. Let's just hope that Brexit hasn't killed me on the custom fees when they come over, mm. because you will physically kill me if that's the case. You'll need a helmet. I will need my Klingon fornication helmet, which could double as a, as you said, a safety helmet. Yeah. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. Yeah, so we cut to night time. Harry sneaks out of the bed and starts looking up Voyager with his security codes, etc. Um, again, should be in underwear, but... Computer, show me Tom Paris. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> show me his location right now. Oh, he's 450 meters away. <laughs> hey. Oh my gosh. It was Grogan. That's... He's like, I have to go to a hookup. Olivia, I have to go to Bear. I have to... He found, he found him on, and on Space on Star Trek Grinder. And he's like, it's Space Grinder. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4 Beyond Farpoint, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. And cards the other character trying to solve the mystery. So he leaves for that reason alone. It could be, and it could really be any character. Any one of, of the main cast members could have gone with Data and been there with 
data several days later trying to solve what happened to the enterprise is it, it it's very very much a kind of a, a plot reason and nothing more i think yeah um i kind of wish data had stayed on the ship actually because i would like to have seen him regress to a pocket calculator <laughs> computer deactivate hollow suite